we took a mission trip one summer to Myrtle Beach to build houses for Habitat for Humanity. I don't know why we had to do it in Myrtle Beach when we could have easily built houses right where we were living. The first day we got there, they told us their tradition for all the volunteers was to have everybody write their favorite Bible verse on the beams of the house, which of course at that time were still exposed. I was really inspired by it, so I spent you know, a lot of time thinking about what verse I wanted to write. And I picked this, one of my favorite verses from Psalms about, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after you. And I just felt like so inspired writing that. And then I stood up and looked up and one of the ceiling beams, a kid from the youth group the week before had written in huge, bright red letters. I did it all for the nookie. Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, or the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group. We find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We have met. My name is Jonathan Carone, and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Hey, what is up, people? We've hit February, and for all of you youth group and former youth group people, you know what that <laughs> means. What's that mean, Jonathan? It means dating, relationships, and all the things that go along with that. That's right. It's like clockwork, man. I mean, it's like you could set your <laughs> clocks. You know, it's like February comes up. What are you talking about in youth group? You're talking about boundaries with the opposite sex. You're talking about how sex is evil. Until you get married, then it's great. Do it all the time. And then, you know, relationships and other words come in like courting and dating and kissing it oh, goodbye God. and whatnot. So so we had to, yeah. you know, we had to fill that, fill that void in your hearts that you've been missing since youth group. Well, and the funny thing is like all the people who aren't listening to this as it comes out, uh-huh. they're like, it's May. Why are you talking about <laughs> February and May? That's like, right. Well, so this isn't as funny to you guys, but to the rest of us that are listening as it comes out, it's it's entertaining. And it, in today's world, I'll take anything that entertains me at all, That's just right. a little bit. So yeah. a few weeks ago in the lead up to knowing we were going to do this, I put it out on social. I said, what did we get wrong about dating and relationships in youth group? And uh, I pulled out some of the best answers. I went back and looked. And so here we go. Uh, Boys and girls should never be alone together ever until they're married. Ever. Okay. (laughs) Ever. Um, Everything about Ica stating goodbye. Okay. Fair. Sorry, Josh. Using any kid, any kind of fear, guilt, or shame to teach. Mm -hmm. That's everything. Yep. Um, going from zero to courtship is dangerous and unhealthy in most situations. Yep. I can get behind that one too. And we, we've got a whole month of things we're going to talk about, but the big idea for today is dating and relationships. And today specifically is going to be about friendships. Next week, we're going to talk more about dating, but today are, we're going to talk about friendships between guys and girls, friendships mm-hmm. of the opposite sex. Cause here's, here's some more of the answers that we got. Going on a date can be just a fun time getting to know someone. You don't have to expect to marry everyone you date. And you're allowed to talk to the opposite gender without needing to intend to marry them. Yeah. Do you I need think to that's repeat, the big idea. Do we need to repeat those last two for anyone listening to it that might be in Christian college and university right now? 
<laughs> I just want to make sure. Spring. Like, any, anyone spring that, is next month. Everybody's looking for the ring. That's right. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like secular wise, we just got out of cuffing season, and now uh, now ring before spring. So <laughs> imagine those two those two worlds colliding, right? <laughs> so <laughs> the what we're trying to get into today <laughs> is that as we unlearn things of our past so that we can lead the next generation better. We have to take an honest look at how we view dating and relationships and how we were taught these things as we were growing up because we don't want to swing the pendulum all the way back to the other side and just like go like 60s, do whatever you want and nothing matters type of thing. But we do want to live in that tension that we talk about on the show a lot. What's the tension point where we have to become comfortable with? So Eric, as we jump into this, what did we get wrong about <laughs> friendships and uh, friendships and dating, but specifically yeah. friendships back in youth group? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to just start by saying here too, like, this is coming from our perspective and the perspective of the people that we know and things like that. So as we talk through things like courting and all that other, like, sure. I know there are people that have done that successfully. And just because some of that stuff worked for you, whatever. So like, yeah, we're not going to take a dump on everybody's situation, but specifically- The overwhelming evidence though is that there were some issues. Right, exactly. So for, I mean, I could just speak for me in particular, um, you know, not having a healthy view of how to interact with the opposite sex uh, without thinking that they were, um, you know, grounds for, or, you know, they were fodder for dating uh, became tough. And I think anytime that we talk about some of these things that are in youth group, it seems like an overarching, um, an overarching theme is that we end up creating rules. We end up creating, you know, things that have a, probably a healthy backing, which we'll get to in a while, but they become, uh, they become dangerous that, that keep us from really developing in, in ways. And I know, you know, I didn't go to a Christian college. I know you went to a Christian college. You've got some, some different interactions there, but I remember in, you know, leading a youth group and literally just walking through and anytime there would be a couple together, man, it was like, I was just like the prude police. If it was, if it was guy and girl together, it was like my job to basically throw the wet water on them because, uh, mostly because I know what happened to me in high school and how I was raised. And I think that's (laughs) the mentality of a lot of people leading this and where we went wrong was like, just because I wasn't, properly equipped for how to handle an appropriate guy girl relationship doesn't mean that every single male and female in my youth group uh, are also not equipped and I need to throw the wet blanket on them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole pendulum swing we talk about because we knew how screwed up we were. We wanted to try to keep things. And we talk about it a lot on this show, the idea of guardrails versus roadblocks. Mm -hmm. We did an entire episode on it back in season one, but I think where we went wrong was we put up roadblocks around co-ed friendships instead of teaching teenagers how to learn to interact with the opposite sex. And this is especially true for guys because when I got to Liberty, so I went to public <laughs> high school, I went to community college for a year and then a public secular college for a semester. So I was a second semester sophomore when I got to Liberty and I cannot tell you how many awkward Christian guys I met who had no clue how to talk to a girl, much less develop a healthy friendship or relationship. But they saw every girl 
as a potential wife. Yep. So they skipped right from being a friend to telling her that God was calling her him to marry her yep. or some creepy thing like that. Like they didn't know what friendship even looked like. Every single girl was a potential girlfriend who would lead to a potential fiance who would lead to a potential wife. Yep. And we'll get into like some of the, some of the bad things about how we view dating next week, but he, so many guys did not know how to be friends with girls. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's not really, if I were to look back at that time, you know, cause I was in college in like 2001 to 2005, you know, that there wasn't really words for it, but now, you know, with the beauty of, of TikTok and the internet and stuff like that, you could really see the categorization of what, what it's being called out as now. So you've got like this dangerous side and I'm just going to speak from the male perspective. I'm sure there's probably a version that's female, but obviously it's not as dangerous, you know, <laughs> just like everything. So from the male perspective, sure. you've got these guys that are, that, that don't know how to interact with girls. And so what they do is they either go on one end of the pendulum, which is like that alpha side, you know, quote unquote alpha and Chad and all that sort of thing where it's just this, this toxic masculine perspective of every girl uh, should be with me. And you throw a Christian veneer on that and be like, well, God is leading me and God is telling me that you're my, you know, and you're like, I'm going to be a leader. And like, but that's still just toxic male bull crap that right now the kids would call them, you know, chads or alphas or whatever. Then on the other side, you've got that other side, which I think you've probably seen a lot, you know, with some of your not quite as, uh, I don't know, not, not quite as type a dudes who are Christians. Let's and they say call confident. Them, yeah. Not as confident. And they're either like what, what we call today, pick me's or simps, you know, where it's like they're on the other side where they're just bleeding heart romantics, trying to get girls to notice them and, and almost feel sorry for them in a way. And so you either have these two pendulums between a toxic male side where it's like, I'm going to force my relationship and my perspective onto you when it becomes predatory for women. And I, again, I don't know the, the female perspective of this, but this is just what I hear and see from that side. So, you know, ladies, please feel free to let us know what your, what your perspectives are on this. But what I see is it's this domineering side of the toxic male side of like, I don't know how to interact with you correctly. So I'm going to take the alpha side of me being the leader of the household and God has called me to, and, and he's calling me to you and domineering, or it's the complete opposite side where it's like, you're just a pathetic bleeding heart, like almost seeking attention. And, Oh, if you can't be with me, who's ever going to be with me? Depressive side. That's just all out for attention. And there's no real, middle ground of being a, a normal human being to another human being who happens to have different what did you say meat flaps on them or whatever you know whatever. <laughs> like, like can you just I, that's uh, a callback last season <laughs> i totally forgot i said that um but we go from these two ends of it and it's like yeah why can't we be friends yes yeah, like, there's an old song. I mean, the "Why Can't We Be Friends" song, but like it, it's so true. Why can't we just be friends? Yeah, what is wrong with that? Why, like, why do we view everything as it's got to be a dating relationship or right. you're stuck in the friend zone? Yep. Why and, can't we yeah. just be friends? Exactly, and that's and that's what's tough too. Is is on that was like you either have if you might've gone through this too, where it's like, if someone is not interested in dating you, they're discarded. It's like you're dating or you're discarded. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. Cause I'm out pursuing my, you know, my, my Boaz or my 
you know, whatever. That's like, come on, man. And then the other side is that friend zone is, is men especially take that. So, oh, she put me in the friend zone, man. No, like you put yourself in this weird position because you don't know how to interact with her without thinking through Christian purity culture and needing to marry her or thinking through your sex organ and thinking that you need to get something physical out of her. And that, and, and I think that's created in a way when there's this void where the church isn't being the church and we're not teaching people how to have healthy platonic relationships with people. I mean, Jesus hung around with two women all the time and there's nothing in there that said that they had anything going on or there was any issue, but they were some of his best friends. Like why, well, not, why not are just we teaching that? Those part? two women, but there, there were all sorts of women in Jesus's ministry. They sure, just sure, didn't sure. get yeah. written into the story. Right. Exactly. So he was around people all the time and there wasn't sexual tension. Some people will be like, well, he was sinless and didn't have a sin nature. And okay. But there's, there's a piece of it that I'm like, we're so scared of something happening between a guy or a girl, a guy mm -hmm. and a girl sexually that we set up entire cultures where we don't even let people be in the same room as each other by themselves, right. like, like male and female. I was taught those were one of the first things I was taught in ministry, which I get it in a ministry context, especially if you're a youth leader or a youth pastor, you don't want to be in the car with a 14 year old girl. Right. That could be a bad look. There's a, there's, I mean, that's a guardrail, but for, two 15 year olds to sit in a living room together. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with that unless we project it. And yep. then by projecting it, we give them the idea. It's the whole dare analogy that we've talked about right. so often. Dare was the introduction to drugs for so many kids. And because we emphasize resisting drugs so much, it got people interested in it. And by putting the chances of physical interaction so high up and being so scared of it, we introduce that to something where a lot of times kids aren't even thinking that about each other because they just want to be friends. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that we do uh, as the church a lot is we emphasize people's sin nature, right? We like to talk about, oh, everybody is sinful and everybody is fallen. And we talk about how we give everybody this blanket sin nature, so every guy and every girl, when they're 14, they're going to want to do whatever, as opposed to emphasizing that each of us is created uniquely, fearfully and wonderfully made and created uniquely uh, different. And so like as a youth leader or in youth group, we're either taught or we end up teaching based on, and we did this in a podcast too, based on our own situation. So I'll admit my teaching was like, Hey, you guys have to be separate. Do not be in a room with a closed door. Do not, you know, all that sort of stuff. Why? Because in high school, I was in the backseat of band buses. And I can tell you, anybody that's been in the band that was a heathen secularite like I was in high school, you know what's going on. And so those are the types of things that I can only speak through my perspective, but I end up projecting that onto those kids. And so I put my own sin nature onto someone else, as opposed to looking at people and going, oh, I can trust this individual with this individual because those two people are unique and maybe they're not interested in each other. Maybe, they, you know, whatever else. And I don't need to awaken within them some sort of temptation or some sort of peace that, that was never there in the first place. And to all our Calvinist friends who Eric just made extremely angry by de-emphasizing our sin nature, we do believe it exists. We're just saying sure. that maybe we don't emphasize it as much in 
that because let's just say everybody doesn't have the same overall blanket signature targeted sins. There are people that are that. Yeah. Like for me, I will admit this was an issue for me in high school and growing up. It, it definitely was. And so for somebody to tell me, Hey, sit down and let's talk through, let's talk through guardrails. Let's talk through boundaries. Let's talk through those sorts of things. Like that's healthy for me. There are other issues that we've talked about on this podcast that like you've said, Hey, is an issue for you that I'm like, yeah, it wasn't an issue for me. But if we, if we apply, like I can't watch Yellowstone. Yeah. It, it, I don't it, it have a problem with me. that. Yeah. So it's like right. it, like if, if we apply the sin nature, like a baseball bat, as opposed to, you know, a scalpel, if we apply it in general to people and say, everyone suffers from the same issues and same temptations, it's, you're going to end up with what we have, which is a bunch of people who are trying to unlearn their youth group experience or worse, go back and deny those things, deconstruct to the point that they're walking away from the faith because they weren't they weren't taught and trained in a way that actually made sense to them. And this is probably a conversation for a different episode because it's much bigger than what I'm about to say. I wonder how much of that, what you were just saying, like, this is, this was my issue. This is what I struggle with was because in the nineties and two thousands, our parents didn't talk to us at all about sex. Sure. The idea of a sex talk or having a normal conversation about, what you're going to experience. My parents never once had that conversation with me. And so the only thing I was learning was how bad this was and how we should run from it. And so maybe I'm projecting my own experience when I make the dare analogy, but because it wasn't a normal thing to talk about, it was so taboo and which made it so interesting to me. And so once I got a taste of it, I was like, Oh, and that's probably the wrong analogy right there. I probably shouldn't have said taste. That's okay. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not an episode with me if I don't say something that I that's should. That's right. Yeah, exactly. But that's where I wonder, and maybe we'll talk about this in another season about how we need to have that conversation more with people so that they're not yep. so unaware of things. But we're we're halfway through the episode now. We don't want to talk about only what was bad. What did we get right? Was there anything in how we we approach this that was good and right? Yeah. Okay. So let's start here. Usually this is what happens. This is the defensive swing that comes from, uh, you know, I don't know, some people in, in the faith or in ministry or whatever, where they go to the other side and say, so are you saying that we should just let kids, you know, whatever, and locked in their own doors all by themselves and have people like, no, are you saying that sex, uh, that, that promiscuous sex is okay. And all these sorts of, no, we're not saying any of that. I mean, of course there are inherent problems when, uh, when you are intimate to the level that maturity wise, you cannot handle, whether that means physical intimacy or anything else like that. We know that, that that's why there, that's why, uh, there are problems. I mean, that that's why these sexual issues are a problem is because emotionally and mentally, you may not be ready to handle the things that you're doing, uh, physically with each other. So yes, we do need to set up guardrails for some people. I will say that for me, a hundred percent. Yeah. There were guardrails that weren't established for me. Well, in this area that were established for me well in other areas that like, I, yeah, I needed. There are things that I'm now still processing as a 38 year old male that happened to me when I was 14, 15, and 16. That's like, if I were to go back, would I do it a different way? Yes. 
So yes, of course, there are things that we need to do. And we know teenagers are exploring different areas of their sexuality and their physicality and things like that. And they need to have some healthy boundaries and conversations to help them manage that in a way that maybe they're not mentally and emotionally ready to manage in the first place. Yeah. Teenagers are big balls of horniness and hormones. Yep. That's just what they are. And they make really stupid decisions when they spend too much time with members of the opposite sex, especially when emotions get involved. Mm -hmm. So the risk that we're talking about in the first part of this episode, we're not downplaying that risk or because it's there, right? We are sexual beings. God created us as such. And we could get into this a little bit, but biologically the idea of waiting till you're in your twenties and thirties to get married, uh, that's a lot different than past cultures In past cultures. Uh, women were having babies at 15, 16, 17 years old, and that was normal. Mary in the Bible, Jesus's mother was probably 14, 15, 16 years old. So biologically, there are these, like there is the issue of this is a legit concern. Yeah. Teenagers doing things that are going to be a bad decision that could change their life forever is a legit concern. And so we have to learn to live in the tension of not being animals to where, we're only concerned about sex, but not being angels that have no sexual desires because as human beings, we live in that tension yep. and teenagers, especially as they're learning their bodies, as they're learning their emotions, there's a lot of stuff going on there that will be hard to manage and mm-hmm. hard to understand. And because of that, that's why we need guardrails. We don't need roadblocks. We don't need avoiding the topic completely. We don't need to become Pharisees and put all these extra rules in place before we even get to the uh, guardrail, but we do need to protect our kids. We do need Mm -hmm. to protect those who we are leading, whether it is in youth group, whether it is as a parent. And so the idea of wanting to protect kids, I think is a legit, I could even say wholly set apart idea Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't want to protect them if you didn't care about them. Right. I just think there were times that we we went about protecting the wrong way that actually caused some more problems than it had to. Right. Yep. I totally agree. And I and I I say this all the time about rules and guardrails. And I mean, whether you're talking about uh, religious moral side or even in in business and operations, and if you're a manager, if you're a leader, like your rules, your systems, your guardrails, they're set and designed to serve people in a positive way. And it's not the other way around. It's not us here to serve those rules and guidelines. And I think a lot of times in ministry, um, we set those things up in a way that everybody is supposed to serve the rules. And we've talked about it before, but you know, I, I've been uh, on staff at two different mega churches that had completely different ways of addressing this particular issue. And the first one that I worked at, there was literally a staff 10 commandments. They called them before we renamed them, they called them the staff 10 commandments. And so many of them had to deal with, actually all of them had to deal with the way that you interacted with a member of the opposite sex. And as you start to look into it, the rules just didn't even make sense because they were written from a married perspective. And it was like, we had a bunch of single people on staff that are like, if I follow this, I'm never going to be able to meet anybody or date anybody or find someone to marry. Because literally it was like, just stay away from them at all times, unless you're in a group communal setting. And so it's like, what, you're going to go on a, on a date and have people just like 
watching over you weirdly and listening, you know, we'll like, talk about more about that next week. Yeah. So, so these come, rules, subscribe, are, rate, review, come back next week and we'll, we'll, we'll hit that again. So, but the idea that, that, that we set up these rules to serve something that we didn't even need to serve again, sets forth a way that like staff members couldn't even interact with one another or single people couldn't have healthy dating relationships, let alone healthy individual relationships. I mean, I'll say this, there were times where uh, my, um, so my wife is five foot tall, blonde. My sister is about five, three, five, four blonde. People mix those two up all the time all of the time. And so when I would be out and about with my sister, who we've got a great relationship with, there would be people that were assuming one way, assuming the other way. I mean, I would have conversations. I was like, Eric, were you with someone that wasn't your wife that blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, that's my sister. And so I'd be called out for like going out to lunch with a woman who was not my wife, who was actually my sister. You know what I mean? And so like, we can't even have, we can't even have uh, actual sibling relationships without this kind of pervasive um, thought coming into people's minds because we're so hell-bent on these rules as opposed to helping people in their actual relationship with God and one another. So where do we go? What do we do? What is a better approach moving forward as we try to approach friendships from a Christian perspective? That is a great question. That is such a good question that I think everybody needs to look at because in that last segment we just talked about, there's probably a lot of you, if you're in the ministry right now, or if you come from a more uh, traditional conservative fundamentalist, whatever background you want to consider it, you're we're preaching in the choir. You know how dangerous these things can be and are. And if you've gone through situations, you know, you're like, I just don't want people to experience what I've experienced or what others around me have experienced. Okay, so for you, you probably need to open up your your mind and your eyes to a different way and saying, okay, how do we encourage healthy platonic relationships um, without uh, without the damage that I think we have from the other side? So those are those are some things, and so I think we need to reevaluate dating. We need to reevaluate uh, friendships and, and relationships with the opposite sex. What do you think? I had a professor in seminary, Dr. David Wheeler probably uh, one of the most influential people in college, if not the most for me. And he, I don't even know if he knows that, but in seminary, he said that the, the philosophy he had for his daughters, who his daughter, he had a freshman in college and then a, a daughter in high school at the time, he told them to date often, but guard your relationships. Uh, another way to say that would be to date your friends and know your boundaries. Mm. And it was so different from what I had experienced growing up that it shocked me. And I, I, I had so many questions about it and asked him and like, what, what are you talking about? And I couldn't right. believe this man who was a pastor, who was a church leader, who's a seminary professor was saying this, but as he explained it, I realized that I had actually lucked into a relationship like that in high school. And I'd been doing some similar things throughout college where I would go on dates with friends. It, we didn't call it dates. It was, Hey, let's go grab dinner together. Uh, I had one friend in college that uh, every, probably once a month, we grabbed dinner together. I would pay this month, she would pay next month. And there was never any type of relationship there other than friendship. We enjoyed talking to each other and that. In high school, probably one of the better examples of this, for two years, my freshman, sophomore year, I had a friend who was a girl who would live near me and she would pick me up and take me home every day from school. Mm -hmm. 
And it started as, hey, this is just, it's easy for her to do that. And I was thankful. And, but then we became friends. And if she had errands to do after school, we'd go do those together because we're already in the car together. Uh, we, we end up going to concerts and shows together. We talk about all sorts of things that I probably never would have talked to a girl about had we not developed that friendship. Like I learned things that as a 15 year old guy, I didn't know existed within girls because we were close enough as friends that we could have that conversation. And so, right. You know, it's probably possible to hear that and think that it sounded like we were dating and 15 year old me had a giant crush, but didn't have the guts to actually do anything about it. But 35 year old me with perspective and experience, I'm glad that 15 year old me never got the courage to work up and, and kiss her or take that further because I have such a good example now of what a platonic friendship between a guy and a girl can be. And mm-hmm. we went on a lot of what could be called dates because we did things together sure. as guy and girl, but we were never in a dating relationship. There was never anything physical. There was the intimacy of a friendship, but not of a romantic relationship. And so I did that in high school and I didn't even realize I was doing that. So I'm super thankful that 14, 15, 16 year old Jonathan never was brave enough to actually tell a girl how he was feeling because it allowed me to Mm -hmm. even in college to have those same relationships. And I think I'm a better husband now and hopefully will be a better dad because I had relationships with girls who were not girlfriends, who none of us ever tried to make it anything more than it was. And so I was able to learn how to treat a girl. I was able to learn how to make a mistake and like say things that were maybe insensitive, but have someone care about me enough to tell me, Hey, you probably shouldn't say that. So I was able to learn those things in the context of a friendship. So I would tell people to do what Dr. Wheeler said to date often, but guard your relationships to set up the guardrails like that. Because had I had more confidence, I would have driven that relationship right off the cliff. So putting in guardrails is a safety measure. It means teaching kids Mm -hmm. how to know and understand what they're feeling so they can recognize when they're running off the road. It means that as the leaders, as the parents, the mentors, we have to create relationships where the teenagers we have influence over, they're comfortable enough to tell us what they're feeling and what they're dealing with. And as part of that, Eric, that means that we can't punish them for every stupid mistake that they make. Because part of this, if, if our goal is to raise good adults and not just good students or good kids, part of this means they're going to run off the road and hit the guardrail occasionally. And that's what the guardrail is for. Yeah. I think I heard that, man, I'm trying to remember you cause you brought it up and now I'm, I'm trying to think of who said that, but you know, that's the difference when you think through when your kids make a mistake, do you want them thinking I screwed up? My dad's going to kill me. Or do you want them thinking I screwed up? I need my dad yeah. right now. Right. And I think that's a huge difference in the way that you think through it is how do we, that's called grace. How do we, how do we, yeah. How do we react when they hit the guardrail or when they blow through the guardrail? You know what I mean? Like I want my kids to be able to know that when they screw up or if, if they're in trouble, that I'm the one that's going to help them, 
now I, I'm not going to enable them and I'm not, you know, all that sort of thing, but like, I'm the one that's going to help them. And so that you comes can from, show grace and still punish. Exactly. And, and so that's where, you know, teaching them. And again, you know, we've talked about this all the time. I've got two young boys. And so for me, it's on the other side, it's not only on that, but like, how are we raising our kids to the spot where we're teaching them what appropriate interactions with others uh, look like of, of the opposite sex. And so the other thing too, is I love that, that line about, you know, date often, but protect your relationships. It, it's almost like, man, if I were to go back and be a youth pastor again today, I'd spend a lot more time teaching about values and teaching those same friendship talks that I would have about having, you know, uh, male, male to male friends. I would be emphasizing that just as much with your female friends. And so like, if you're going to go into a dating relationship, would you be friends with this person that you think is attractive and that you want to date? Would you be best friends with them first? Because I think you and I both being being married and, you know, me coming up on 15 years of marriage and 21 years of being in a relationship with my wife. It's like if I wasn't friends with her first, boy, at this point in our lives, man, that would be that would be tough. And so like and that's why the divorce rate's so high. Exactly. And some of that is just building up. So for people that are like save yourself for marriage and all this, like we need to protect the sanctity of marriage. I agree protect the sanctity of marriage by teaching your kids how to have good uh, platonic um, friendships with the opposite sex. And so that means like, hey, I want to be friends with this person before I decide if I want to date them because I want to know if I can be friends with them. I also want to be friends with them first to know if we have similar values. Because I think if you get into a, a friendship, you want to be friends with people like we would preach to them. You want to be friends with people that uh, have your similar type of values and goals. And that's the same thing with friends of opposite genders. You want to be able to be friends with people that at least value the same things that you value. So that way, you know, if it does go into a dating relationship, like what we'll be talking about next week, then, you know, you're, you, you have some of those common boundaries established already. So I think it has a lot more to do with how we're training our kids earlier than just getting them in youth group and telling them not to be in the same room together. And the last thing I'll say on that is I think by becoming friends, we have to teach kids to understand the emotional intimacy of a friendship versus a partner, a romantic partner, because you can be yeah. friends and you, it's very easy to mistake that feeling of, man, I really like being friends with this person. I really like being around them. And because mm -hmm. we elevate dating and relationships and marriage so high, which is what we'll get into next week we Im immediately make people think that these feelings of intimacy towards this person means I should seek a romantic relationship with them as opposed to, right. Right. you might love that person as a friend and it needs to stay as mm -hmm. a friend because from a romantic standpoint, that isn't going to work. And we have to teach right. people that just because the relationship stays as a friend does not make it less of a relationship or any less legitimate or that you care for that person any less of a way because they didn't become your future wife. Yep, exactly. So next week we'll get more into that. We're going to talk about Christian dating. It's awkward. It's messy. It's usually pretty bad. It's a lot like that first time oh, on yeah. your wedding night. <laughs> Bow chicka wow wow. But before we get to that, how do we date in a way that not only honors Jesus, but also doesn't cause us to have all sort of issues to unlearn by the time we get married. So we'll dive into that more next week. Go ahead and subscribe to the show, rate it, review us wherever you listen to podcasts, share this with a friend if you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week. Have a great week.
great school.